This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Ishmael Kawaja. Hello, hope you're doing well. It's Thursday the 24th of November. Thanks for downloading today's podcast. Shortly, you'll hear about possible charges for holiday let owners along the county's coastline. But first... A year on from the deaths of dozens of asylum seekers in the English Channel, the Kent Online podcast been told another tragedy is highly likely. At least 27 people lost their lives when an inflatable dinghy capsized near Calais as they tried to make the dangerous crossing. This man was a close friend of someone who died. On November 21st last year, Shaka, my dear friend, drowned in Channel tragedy, which took 32 lives. Shaka was a caring man and good friend all my life, always checking me and my safety on all the, on the way to Europe. Shakar and other, other friends deserve to be remembered. Together with Kai, we, the friends and family of the victim of those laws, we will remember them at a special vigil in London. We will never forget Shakar, we will never forget all the people, we will remember them. A candlelit vigil will also be held in Folkestone and Thanet this evening. Meantime, Dover MP Natalie Elphick has spoken out in the Commons and rejected claims that British officials knew about the boat being in distress. Today's Daily Mail and French newspapers report that French investigations findings from the French police have found that the French did not send help following several calls while the boat was in distress in French waters. Furthermore, that French officers may yet face manslaughter charges in relation to those tragic deaths. In relation to the reports about the boat entering British waters, it has been reported that Britain was not told that the boat was in distress at the time it entered British waters, and that Britain acted immediately when notified, having saved a number of other people in small boats that same day, and they did everything Uh, that they could to save those lives. Madam Deputy Speaker, many of my constituents work for Border Force and RLNI. Some of those were on duty that dreadful day. They work tirelessly, day in, day out, in difficult and exhausting circumstances to pick up and rescue migrants in the Channel. Well, since the awful scenes 12 months ago, more than 40,000 people have arrived in Kent in small boats. To reflect more on all of this, I've been speaking with Hannah Marwood, who's from charity Care for Calais, which supports refugees. It's incredibly sad. Um, So we've spent the last year in contact with quite a few of the family members of people that sadly lost their lives. Um, And it's been an incredibly hard 12 months from there for them as you can imagine um and I think as well what's really frustrating to see is that we are pretty much in the same position that we were a year ago very little has changed people are still having to risk their lives and cross the channel um and from my perspective the government has done very little to stop that happening yeah 12 months on how much do you still fear that we could have another tragedy like that it's, it's a massive fear. It's something that we go through constantly. You know, we have um, people on the ground in Calais and in the UK and it, the numbers haven't slowed down. People are still risking their lives. Um, nothing seems to have changed with any procedures either. So it, it's a high likelihood, I think, that this could happen again. Clearly, there's a lot of distrust there in terms of the government's handling um, of the situation. Do you think the government has learned at all from what happened last year? I think they've learnt very little. 
and I don't know if there's a will to learn anymore. Um, like I said, we're still seeing people having to risk their lives and cross the channel. In the past 12 months, the only thing that has happened is, you know, crazy incidents such as the government bringing out pushbacks policies. We've had the Rwanda policy. We've had the crisis recently in Manston, all of which are just focusing on uh, deterrents that are meaningless and don't work. Um, so I don't think there's been any particular lessons learned. People shouldn't have to be risking their lives to get to the UK and seek safety. And there's, you know, tons of options that could be put in place to prevent that. Yeah. And you've you expressed your frustration there a moment ago about effectively coming out with the same message, you know, a year on and, and, you know, repeatedly. I mean, that your main line is, of course, that you want safe and legal routes and more of that to be available for asylum seekers. Exactly. Yeah. And we've recently uh, tabled a policy paper outlining um, a, a new way that this could all be done. It's a very simple way. Um, it sort of reflects on what happened with the Ukraine crisis, because we saw on the ground in Calais that when the conflict in Ukraine started, there was a, a number of Ukrainians that did come to Calais. As soon as the, the visa scheme was introduced, they, they dispersed um, so the policy that we have tabled is offering a similar visa for people to apply for, be screened online, come to the UK safely and have their asylum claims heard, which I think is, is what we all want. Why do you think the, the awful scenes from last year wasn't a turning point? Why do you think the government haven't really, I suppose, radically changed their approach in, in, to more align with what you're asking for? That's a really, really good question. Um, I think we're living in a time where the, the government focus is on hostility towards the people coming to the UK. Um, they're, they're coming to the UK because there is no alternative route for them. They're getting in boats because there is no alternative route for them. Um, and yeah, the, the hostility from the government um, is really something to behold. You mentioned already about disappointment in what the government's doing now, what they were doing previously. We, we saw Zuela Braverman was, of course, answering questions to the Home Affairs Select Committee. Do you have any confidence in the current government? Do you have any confidence in, in Suella Braverman or Rishi Sunak in, in getting a grip of the situation? Or do you fear that we are a long way from finding a solution? I, I also watched um, uh, some of the Home Affairs Committee that you mentioned this morning, and it was quite stunning to see Suella Braverman absolutely floundering when asked what in a hypothetical situation a, a young boy from East Africa would do to reach family in the UK and reach safety um, and she yeah totally floundered about seemingly there is no answer um, the answer is very clear there is no other option for them than to get into a dinghy and cross the channel. As mentioned there we told you yesterday how the Home Secretary struggled to answer a question about how asylum seekers can get to the UK lawfully. So while the government was giving evidence to MPs but got a bit flustered when one of them asked how people can avoid crossing the channel in small boats. If you put in your application for asylum uh, upon arrival that would uh, be the, the process that you enter. How could I arrive in the UK if I didn't have permission to get onto an aircraft legally to arrive in the UK? Uh, let me just invite other colleagues if there's anything they want to add. She's always insisted there are safe and legal routes, but couldn't tell us what they are. Kent Online reports. Our other top stories today, a coroner's been told how a young dad from Sittingbourne who jumped in front of oncoming traffic had spent the day at the pub with friends. 
An inquest heard 22-year-old Preston Turner died from multiple injuries on the A249 Sheppeyway in June after a night out at the Golden Hope and Red Lion. The mother of his son has described him as kind, caring and an amazing dad. A court's heard how a Maidstone woman impersonated police and social services to dupe pensioners out of money. Kathleen Perry told one victim he was being investigated for child abuse offences and needed to hand over his bank card and PIN number. The 57-year-old from Acorn Place has been remanded in custody until she's sentenced. Now there are calls for people who own holiday lets in part of Kent to pay a charge to cover the cost of collecting their waste. The Kent Online podcast been told there are just over 180 short-term let properties in and around Folkestone and Hythe. Conor McConville is leader of the Labour Group and says because of how they're set up, the council is missing out financially. He's been chatting with the reporter Rhys Griffiths. Because they're registered as businesses, um, it means uh, they don't pay council tax. And so you think, you know, 180 uh, residents that would probably be paying somewhere in the region of, you know, 300 or so or more to the district council, never mind all the other council tax that goes to other places. But, you know, that's a, that's a reasonable sum of money that the council doesn't get. And um, businesses as well, very small businesses, like small shops and things, they get relief. So they don't actually, although they're... they're, they're their businesses, they don't actually pay the money. Because they're so small, they get a 100% discount on their business rates, which is good for small shops in town, you know, to get started up and things like that. You know, it, it really helps those sorts of businesses. But sadly, due to the legislation, the way the government is, it means that these houses don't pay any business rates either. So you have a person who can buy a house, sell it, or let it out, you know, as a, as a holiday property, and there's no money coming in anywhere. There's lots of these little properties and I have a list of where they are and I've, I've popped round to a few, not to knock on doors, just to have a look. And they all have council bins outside because they're just a normal house. No one would know what's what. So taxpayers in this district are paying for these places to get their bins collected for free. Whereas any other business would have, um, you know, a, a waste collection, you know, the businesses in the high street don't get that they have to have their own waste carriers and etc etc so that's why i've put this bit of business into the council to a raise awareness of it but hopefully try and um make some money uh, or recruit some income from these from these businesses you know because at the minute we're not getting anything so if we could um you know still collect their waste through the council but have a charge for the waste collection which goes some way to sort of you know, similar to what their similar to what the council tax might be. I mean, that's that's a debate to have, but at least it would be something. And and you know, rather than at the minute, uh, these these places getting everything for free. So it's really you know it's a, it's a fairness point, isn't it? It's it's uh, trying to close up a loophole that is really getting them finding a way to be exempt from from something that the rest of us all yeah. all have to pay. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, um, obviously, you know, we've probably not really thought about it as a massive issue in the area but in other parts of the country um where like there is just so so much rampant uh, like self-contained holiday lets these these airbnb or whatever you know i don't like to use brands those sorts of things but that is the most common thing that people use um yeah they've already set up they've already set up these systems to make sure that you know they're recouping like i say at the very least this this money to cover their waste collection and things like that so um and uh the the biz uh the motion also looks at you know is there a possibility of 
you know, perhaps d doing some commercial waste collection in-house. You know, do we, you know, could we, could we have something like that set up? Obviously, we're, we're, you know, like all councils and everywhere, we're, we're, we're looking to fill uh, a bit of a budget hole. So um, hopefully, we can try and raise a bit more revenue through that. And if we, if we can be, if we can provide a service that's cheaper than some of the other commercial waste collection services and do it in-house, then why not? It will be discussed by the council at the end of the month. It was recently reported a similar problem in Whitstable means the authority there is missing out on as much as half a million pounds. So what do you think? We've had lots of you comment on the story. Nick G says it's a good idea. Airbnb is a national scandal, removing affordable housing stock from local people and a tax dodge for multiple operators. Well, someone else has also taken aim at Airbnb, saying the owners are inflating house prices so young people can't get on the housing ladder. Not only should Airbnb owners pay council tax, but as it's a second property, they should pay more. Well, you can also share your thoughts in the comment section on our website. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. Elsewhere, a boat's been destroyed in a fire on the River Medway. It's thought to have caught a light accidentally at Strood Yacht Club yesterday afternoon. No one was hurt, but crews spent three hours tackling the flames and thick smoke could be seen for miles. Some homes in the Tunbridge Wells area are still having problems with their water supply two weeks after a power cut at a treatment plant. It initially affected 8,000 households in areas including Goudhurst, Lamberhurst and Hawkehurst, but most have now had their supplies restored. South East Water say they're working hard to deal with issues in the network as some are still experiencing low pressure and sometimes no water at all. Now it's claimed GPs across the county are seeing more patients than ever before. According to the Kent Local Medical Committee, doctors had more than 800,000 appointments in September. KMTV's Abby Hook has been chatting to Strew GP Dr Julian Spinks, who says they're doing the best they can to see everyone who needs help. For a start, we've had about a 10% increase in demand uh, over a month, and that's really becoming unworkable. Um, the fact is that we have a population that seems to seek uh, medical help earlier. Um, we have a population that's getting older and sicker and so on. And there's other pressures, all of which pushing people to go to their GP. There's still a catch-up happening from after COVID. And we're having to bring people in to do some of the preventive work that got missed during that time. All of which is making it incredibly difficult. But half of those appointments are being carried out by GPs, showing that we're using things like nurses and paramedics and pharmacists more because there aren't enough GPs. But even with those, we can't keep up with that rise. If it goes up 10% per month, we are going to be in real trouble by the end of the winter. And as you said there, we're a population that are seeking medical help sooner. Now, why exactly do you think that is? And should we perhaps not be going to our GPs? We're always urged to check on things. If we notice differences in our bodies, we're not feeling well. Best thing is to go to the doctor. But how should people be navigating that now? Because it's always a difficult a difficult thing to decide. Yes, absolutely. And, and it's interesting because actually, um, this sudden rise after COVID, we can't explain. It wasn't happening as much prior to it, but certainly people's behaviour, I think they got spooked by things, they were worried about serious illness. But at the same time, we want them to have that access. We want them to have enough GPs that people can, if they're worried, contact us and get some advice or come and see us. Um, but it, it does remain a challenge. Do remember there are other places you can go to. You can ask pharmacists. They're very skilled at actually giving advice. And it's just one one can help and so on. What I don't want to do is to go off to A, 
A&E rather than contact their GP practice because that's busy enough already. But, you know, if we don't have enough people, we can't do the work. Two men have been charged in connection with a string of burglaries in East Kent. Gold and jewellery was reportedly taken from properties in and around Canterbury and Hearn Bay. The pair were detained after a van linked to the break-ins was stopped in Sandwich. Two men have been fined after being caught dumping £24,000 worth of scrap metal near Dover without a licence. The pair were stopped in Foxborough Hill in East Street in March. The 19 and 42-year-old have been told to pay almost £5,000 in fines and costs. Lecturers in Kent are joining colleagues across the country in going on strike today. Staff at the Uni of Kent and Canterbury Christchurch have been walking out in a dispute over pay. Eight in ten members of the university and college union who took part in a ballot voted in favour of industrial action. While well, the students in Medway have been sharing their thoughts. I don't know what's going to happen with my print team's news day. Um, hopefully it doesn't get cancelled. To be honest, I don't think any of my lecturers are going on strike, so it's not really going to affect me that much. Um, if staff in other departments feel they have to go on strike, I'm sure they've got a reason. It is what it is. It's not all the teachers, but I think my lesson is disrupted. And, well, it's got a good cause. Let them get the pay rise they need. I mean, I understand why, but it is affecting yeah, us. Yeah, it's going to affect our education and, like, obviously going into lectures and stuff. I don't think it's going to affect us too much, though, because I No, but I'm paying 9K. I want to use the 9K. It's true. Obviously, I know you have your reasons, but it's affecting us as well. Meanwhile, Royal Mail workers have kicked off their latest walkout, which could have a knock-on effect for Black Friday deliveries. The action by members of the Communication Workers' Union is because of a row over pay and conditions. Kent Online reports. Now we've been getting some reaction to a story we told you about yesterday. We could see fewer PCSOs out and about in Kent in future. The police are planning on reducing the number of community support officers, potentially by as many as 200, which could save around £7 million. Some civilian jobs might be lost too as part of a review of neighbourhood policing. Pete Ayling is Temporary Deputy Chief Constable. We, we launched a proposal for a new neighbourhood policing model and the important uh, first aspect of that, this is a proposal. So we now start 60 days of consultation and all the affected staff uh, and uh, uh, their union representation have an opportunity to feedback, uh, raise concerns or make alternative suggestions to that model. So there's an important uh, caveat to put in first. Uh, in terms of the model, there's been extensive engagement that's taken place over six months. Uh, and we're talking more than 700 uh, affected staff, partners, the community, uh, and uh, also reviewing best practice across the country. Uh, we are of the view that this model best prepares us to meet the challenges of policing going forward. Uh, the valuable role that's been undertaken by um, officers in specific roles uh, over many years uh, is, is incorporated into new functions that we think uh, will be more effective and more efficient for us to be able to deliver a, an outstanding service to local people. PCSOs have been an important part of Kent Police for many, many years, uh, and they continue to be so. And I'm really pleased the proposal incorporates uh, a, a significant number of PCSOs. Uh, even at a time, other forces uh, uh, make alternative decisions, sometimes to reduce or, or remove the role entirely. The uh, government 
uplift of 20,000 police officers means that Kent Police will rise to the highest number of officers we've had in our history, 4,145. Uh, if you go back to 2017, when our model was first introduced, that is uh, an increase of more than 600. So the time's right to consider how we use that as an opportunity to refresh our model and to respond to demands that have emerged over the last few years. And we think this gives the best opportunity uh, to use police officers where they will have greatest impact uh, and be able to address the things that matter most to local people, but also to uh, put in place roles that use PCSOs to their full potential. They have done some brilliant work over many years, uh, problem solving and in early intervention, and we will continue to use them in that way, but in roles where they are ring-fenced and dedicated to that. So they too can have maximum impact in the work that they do best. We've got sad news from the Big Cat Sanctuary where a lion has died following a short illness. Ngozi was born at the site in Smarden in 2013 and became a fan favourite with visitors. Keepers say he looked like he could have been in a Disney movie and he'll be sorely missed. On our website, you can see new images showing what a new reservoir in Kent could look like. We told you earlier in the month how South East Water were looking to press ahead with the idea for land in the Broad Oak area of Canterbury. It could be operational by as early as 2033 to secure drinking water supplies. It's expected to take at least two years to get a regular river bus service running from Gravesend. Uber boats by Thames Clippers bought the historic town pier earlier this month. They've said access for other boats will be maintained and two hybrid vessels are being built for a commuter service into London. And congratulations to Flossie the Cat, who's officially the world's oldest. She's due to celebrate her 27th birthday in a couple of weeks at her new home in Orpington. Cat's Protection in Kent managed to rehouse her after her previous owner was unable to look after her. Kent Online Showbiz. Megan Trainer has been on our sister station KMFM to talk about her latest album, Taking It Back. The single Made You Look, meanwhile, is all over TikTok. She told Numi on the hit list, it feels really good. This is the best it's ever felt, I think, since the first album, at least, um, because I got so much TikTok love and my single made you look is number one for the third week like i'm thriving i'm shining everything's just wonderful like i really feel super loved right now yeah obviously made you look is like it's just everywhere i was on tiktok last night and i think it was honestly every other video like it's just all over my few page how does it feel having that kind of reaction to your song it's every day is like my birthday party and everyone shows up you know yeah like everyone showed up i used to say it's like my funeral and everyone's showing up and i can see who like really (laughs) but now i'm switching that narrative to say it's like my birthday party and everyone's showing up and everyone's Um, dancing (laughs) everyone's dancing and not crying um yeah and every day like my mom and my team my mom is like there's a million creates on tiktok with your song like it's everyone's so proud because it's a real team effort and so we're all celebrating if you missed it you can catch their full chat at kmfm.co.uk just click on podcast. Well, that's all from us today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also sign up to The Briefing to get a daily update of the top stories each morning. Just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.